All right, thanks, uh, Jenny and Gil. And Gil, I see you're wearing your favorite shirt, so I appreciate that. Um, but welcome. My name is Robert, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy House. And want to welcome certainly Mercy House people, but also a lot of people that uh, this may be your first time uh, of watching this and being a part of this. We want to welcome you uh, as well. And we're continuing on with our uh, Gospel of Luke sermon series that we've called Follow. And, and the reason we've called it Follow is because uh, the, the, the central message of Luke is kind of two parts. So one part is, who is Jesus? And we find out that he is God, that he is our Savior, and that he is our King. And the second part is how we respond to this person who is God's Savior and King. And the way that we're called to respond is we're called to follow. And so that's really the message of, of, of chapters 1 through 9. Uh, and then uh, 10 through 18 is more of the specifics of how one is to follow Jesus. And so we've been working through some of those. We're not going to be able to do all of those uh, in this series, but we've worked through some of the, the I think, very important ones. Uh, things like how to share the gospel, uh, how to pray, how to deal with spiritual warfare. Those are the topics we've looked at so far in this section of, of really the how-to training uh, of the disciples. And today we want to look at uh, Jesus' training on how to deal with our tendency towards religious uh, hypocrisy. Uh, and so when we think about hypocrisy, we think about portraying something externally that is not consistent with who we are internally. So portraying something externally that is not consistent with who we are uh, internally. And uh, hypocrisy is, is a big deal. I, I mean, think about it. This is one of the major reasons that, that people say that they drop out of the church. Uh, Lifeway did a, a very extensive study a few years back about why do people drop out? Well, those that have been in the church who, who are now no longer in the church. And uh, interesting enough, the top reason was they just went to college and quit going to church, which, which definitely speaks to, to some of our ministry and, and uh, being a place where students feel uh, like they can be a part of our church family. But, but really tied for that reason uh, is the reason of believing that people are hypocrites, that those who say uh, they are lovers of God and lovers of people on Sunday are acting like the world on Monday through Saturday. And I think most of us would say, yes, that, that is a problem. And uh, it, it is something that uh, causes a detraction of the effectiveness of the church. And, and uh, Jesus, too, would agree that hypocrisy is, is a very... Uh, big problem that needs to be dealt with. And he actually talked about it a lot. Um, and so this, this passage we look at today is just one sampling, really, of many, many teachings that Jesus gives uh, on uh, the topic of hypocrisy. So in this text that we look at today, the end of chapter 11, beginning of 12, uh, we're going to see four things. So we're going to see Jesus talk about the problem of hypocrisy. Uh, he's going to talk about how hypocrisy is a poison to others. Uh, he's also going to talk about how we all have a propensity toward it, and he's also going to give us a prescription for how to deal with this problem of hypocrisy. So problem, poison, propensity, and prescription. All right, so let's talk about the problem. So, so this passage, the, what, what, what institutes sort of this conversation that Jesus is having about hypocrisy is uh, something that starts uh, with the religious leaders who are concerned that Jesus is not wash washing his hands before meals. Um, and so I know all of you are like, oh my goodness, Jesus doesn't wash his hands before meals. Uh, but you're thinking about uh, microbial disease. Uh, 
they didn't even know about microbial disease back then. They didn't know what microbes were. That these religious leaders were concerned about religious ritual. And so what we have is the divine son of God sitting down for a meal with these religious leaders. This one who uh, had given them life-changing truth straight from God. This, this one who had displayed divine power over even death. Um, this one who had, had displayed unconditional love uh, to them. And here they're having dinner with the divine son of God. And their biggest concern is ritualistic hand washing. And Jesus lets them have it. Uh, we read in Luke 11 verse 39. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish. But inside you're full of greed and wickedness. So Jesus doesn't hold back, and neither does Luke. Uh, Luke describes Jesus as the Lord. Now, Luke doesn't always use this term uh, for Jesus, but here he's very intentional to call him the Lord. Like, this is God who is uh, speaking. And uh, he, Jesus uses this illustration of a cup. And so you think about a cup that's nice and clean on the outside, but then you look on the inside and it's filled with filth. And, and you would not want to use and drink out a cup like this. And so Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you're like this. That externally you look really good. You look like you're committed to God and that you love God and that you love uh, other people. But you look inside and it, it, it's not consistent with who you portray yourself uh, to be. And so honestly, Jesus just calls them out. He says, you're in this for the money. He says, when I look inside your cup, uh, I see greed and I see wickedness, which is an, another word for godlessness. And so Jesus is, is calling them out. And, and think about the terror of this moment. Jesus knows them literally inside and out. He's looking into their souls and he's revealing to them that he knows what is inside uh, their hearts. Uh, he says as much in verse 40, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? He's letting these religious leaders know that, that God, and we know that Jesus is God and he's their creator, has created them inside and out. God's not in the dark in regard to who they are inside and out. The last Burley Man retreat, we had an icebreaker uh, that was a would you rather. And it was a would you rather uh, be able to hear all the things that are said about you by other people. Or would you rather be able to take back any words that you say to other people or about other people. And hands down, everyone in, in the retreat pretty much said, I would like to take words back. I don't want to hear what people uh, are saying about me. And God not only knows what we're saying, he knows what we're thinking, what we're feeling. And, and not only does he know that, he knows what we're thinking about him. Every detail of it. Just before the flood in Genesis, uh, we hear God's assessment of the people described this way. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see that God knows all. He sees the external things that people were doing. He also saw the internal very intentions of the heart. Jesus dives, dives a little deeper 
uh, into giving diagnosis to the problem of hypocrisy. He says in 42, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seed in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Uh, Jesus lets them know, you care more about what you can get from people than you care actually for the people themselves. You care more for what you can get from those people than you care for God and for the people uh, themselves. We, we, could, we could summarize Jesus' diagnosis. Uh, payment, power, and prestige. This is what they want. Earlier he mentioned that they're doing it because of greed. They, they get, they're getting payment out of their religious activity. Not only that, uh, they have power. When he says that they have these special seats at the synagogues, that's not just, oh, you get to sit in the front row. They have a seat of power. But then maybe even more seductive than these other things, uh, prestige, that when they're in the marketplace and people see them, uh, they, they are called by names that indicate they have an honorable uh, position and, and I think we have to be sympathetic with these religious leaders. We want these kinds of things as well. Uh, we want pay. We want power to do whatever we want whenever we want to do it. We want prestige of having a title that requires others to honor us whether they want to uh, or not. But there's something especially evil when this is done in the context of religion. This is obviously bad for the souls of these religious leaders, but it's also bad and really toxic for the people that they are leading. This brings us to the second point, the poison that hypocrisy is to others. Um, the, the next part of the, of the, of the section here uh, is one of these religious leaders communicating to Jesus that his feelings have been hurt. Verse 45, the, one of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. He's, his feelings are hurt. And look at Jesus' response in verse 46. He says, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. One of the poisons of religious hypocrisy is it, is it puts an unbearable burden on those who are being led, those who are trying to genuinely follow uh, God, the leaders appear very pious and they pretend to be upstanding, ever obedient, lovers of God and lovers of people. And when people see this faux religion, thinking that it's real, uh, they then feel ashamed and guilty because they can't live up to these false standards of religion. Two weeks ago, I, I, I did a sermon on prayer. I had to be careful that I didn't pretend that my prayer life was uh, much more robust than it really is. I think whenever you're preaching something, you just get all excited about it. And you're like, oh, yeah, you should pray like this, even though you may yourself not be living that out. I had to also be careful that I didn't put my prayer life up against other people's prayer lives that are in different kinds of contexts. That people that may be working lots and lots more hours than me, people that have small children at home that get them up late, uh, get them up early and, and put them down late. And so that, that would be unkind of me to try to put my context of being a 51-year-old empty nester to uh, young parents who don't have as much uh, opportunity uh, to pray. 
Uh, in every sermon, there, there, there is a temptation to heap up lots of oughts and shoulds. And, and if I were to do that, I would poison you. And, and it would cause you to either burn yourself out, give up, or even worse, just go about your days in guilt. Just feeling like I, you don't measure up because of the oughts and shoulds that have been piled up upon you. That is a, I think this is something along the lines of what Jesus is saying to these lawyers. That they're heaping up these burdensome laws, and then they themselves are not willing to help uh, the person uh, lift those. Uh, Jesus sums it up this way. What do you lawyers, verse 52, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. So you see how he's saying, it is a problem for you, and it's a poison for those that you are trying to lead. Now, I think at this point in the sermon, some of us are, are feeling a bit self-righteous, right? So you're kind of sitting back in judgment on these evil religious people. We're, we're elbowing our spouse or our friend that's uh, watching this with us and saying, yeah, that's just like that TV preacher that I, I read about the other day. And, and, and we, we, we don't uh, quite see, perhaps, uh, the, the propensity that we have toward religious hypocrisy. I mean, even me as a pastor, watching other pastors who perhaps fall for different reasons and thinking, oh, I can't believe that pastor would do that, not realizing it's by God's grace that he would sustain me and, and my family. And so we have to be careful that we're not thinking, oh, that's those other people who have this problem, but that all of us have a propensity, uh, which is our third uh, point. Uh, Jesus has a bit of a debrief with his disciples after that whole interaction with uh, the religious leaders. And it says, in the meantime, in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Luke sets up this comment, I think, in a very interesting way. He, he, he says many thousands are wanting to hear Jesus. The, the popularity of Jesus' ministry and by association, the disciples' ministry is off the charts. The opportunity for pay and power and prestige is right there at their fingertips. And Jesus leans over to them and gives them this warning. Beware. Beware of the leaven. Of hypocrisy. Now that's an interesting illustration. Leaven is what you put in bread to make it rise. It's practically invisible, but it greatly influences the entire loaf. We might say it infects uh, the entire loaf. I know some of you have been you've been working with sourdough in your in your kitchen, and you put that sourdough starter out on your your kitchen counter, and then just sort of magically it absorbs some things out of the air that becomes leaven and causes it. Uh, to rise. Yeah, mm, doesn't that look good? Mm -mm. And, and so this is good for bread. This is bad for followers of Jesus. We really are like that lump of sourdough starter, soaking up religious hypocrisy in a heartbeat. And this is a, a big part of the essence of what it means to be a sinner, is to be inconsistent between who we portray ourselves to be and who we really are on the inside. We think we can fake out God and everyone else, but we can't. But even though we know that, we, we have this propensity to do this, really every waking moment of our lives. 
I have a lot of these temptations as, as a pastor, right? Who's a good pastor? Um, that, that I would pray bold and intimate and biblical and spiritual prayers while not really having a prayer life of my own in secret or, or giving sermons and lead, leading Bible studies but not reading the Bible for my own spiritual growth or counseling people to, to love others and be generous and tell their neighbors about Jesus but all the while I'm being unforgiving and hoarding resources or not interacting with others who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what can be done about it? That's the real issue here. I mean, I think we, 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 if we think long enough about it, we realize we do have a propensity for this. And so there is a prescription for dealing with hypocrisy. And Jesus has already hinted at it uh, back in chapter 11, verse 40, when he said, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? And then later in, in Luke 12, verse 2, he says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light. What you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, on the surface, this is frightening. It's frightening that everything you've ever thought or said, no matter how private, will be Uncovered, revealed, heard, known, proclaimed. I mean, that's some strong words there. I mean, I, I, I know we've had some experiences uh, with Instagram where we're having a conversation with our family about some kind of topic, and then Instagram is somehow listening, and then an ad pops up in the Instagram feed, right? And so uh, God is also listening. And, and he's not just listening to our words. He's listening to our thoughts, He's listening to our feelings. He's listening to the intentions of the heart. These are things that, that neither our co-workers or our friends or spouses even know. And God sees all those things. Every fleeting thought, every negative feeling, every careless word. Now you may be saying, is this really a prescription to the problem? But you need to understand how Dr. Jesus is approaching the problem. Remember back in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, where Jesus was answering the religious leaders. And he says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He knows that hypocrites like us will not be able to be transformed unless we realize that every thought, every feeling, every intention is known by a holy God. I mean, maybe you've been caught hiding something from your friend or your spouse or even your child. And, and when you get found out, it stinks. Um, but oftentimes, eventually, it feels freeing. It, it, there's something good about coming out into the light, letting the good, bad, and the ugly out there so that you are consistent regarding who you are inside and who you're portraying yourself to be. This is also the beginning of Christian conversion. We must bring our sin out into the light of a holy God. For some of us, we bring that sin out uh, because it's already out in the open, right? We hit bottom, and not only God can see our sin, but so can everyone else. But others of us have had to be converted out of religiosity, not from a life of public sin, full of illicit sex and drug abuse, but we've had to admit a different kind of disease, that we were faking our lives on the outside, but inside we're full of greed, lust, hate, apathy. 
I was confronting a, a good friend of mine a few weeks ago uh, and talking to them about uh, their lives. And so I had spent some time with this friend and, and I, I, I kind of thought something was up. And so I did a little digging and talked to uh, this person's spouse. And the person's spouse said, yes, there's a lot going on and just kind of downloaded all the things that have been going on in this person's life. And so as, as lovingly as I could, I, I said, I know, I know what's been going on. And I watched this person do everything they could to diminish their sin, to spin out of it. They, they even tried to, to, to uh, speak ill of their spouse and do whatever they could to try to keep hiding. And it, it broke my heart because I knew if this person was going to find freedom in Christ, they would have to come out into the light and reveal the things that were not only in the externals, but in the internals as well. And you may be thinking, well, are, are you saying that God doesn't really, he's not that big a deal what's going on on the inside? No, it, it is a big deal. In fact, Jesus is dying on the cross for all sin, including the sin of hypocrisy. Um, Jesus, the holy, perfect, divine Son of God, the one who is perfect on the inside and the out, that Son of God is dying on the cross for hypocrites like you and me. It's that serious. So, God, yes, God takes this very seriously. But as we bring this out into the light, we are able to do that because of the grace and mercy that's poured out at the cross. So if you think again, think about yourself as a cup. And you think, well, here's my external life, but I, there's also my internal life. And you may have never poured the contents of that internal life out before a holy God. And so that would be my encouragement to you this morning. And, and this, this is you becoming a Christian, I'm telling you. This, this, is, this, is, this is you coming into the light of a holy God and saying, not only am I bringing my external uh, posturing, I, I'm pouring out everything, the good and the bad, before a holy God, mm -hmm. who then, because of the cross, is able to then give you grace and mercy, to forgive you of that incongruence between who you say you are and who you really are on the inside. This is, this is such a freedom. I know, I know it's, a, it's, it's scary on the front end to, to walk out into the light, but I'm telling you, this, this is freedom to be made whole in the grace of God through the gospel. Now, for some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're saying, yeah, I've been there. I've come to Christ with my insides and my outsides, and, and I poured that out before him, and he forgave me and made me new and made me a son, made me a daughter of the Father. And, uh, and so for us who already know Christ, this is an ongoing thing. Not, not to become a Christian, but, but to be in an ongoing way assessing, okay, what's in there? What's in my internal life? And, and pouring that out before the Lord uh, every week. You know? And this is, this is one of the things we're doing as we come together in worship. We're pouring this out. We're confessing this before the Lord and, and, and having Him forgive us, having Him transform us just that we are consistent uh, by His grace, uh, both inwardly and outwardly. So this brings up, I think, some questions. Uh, and, and you're certainly welcome to 
uh, ask some of those questions uh, in the Facebook uh, chat, uh, and we'd, we'd be happy to, to answer those either today or, or maybe uh, this week in the blog. Uh, but there's some questions that came up to me as I, I read this passage. And so one is, is that, okay, so it, does repentance from hypocrisy mean now I have to be perfect inside and out? I think this is one of the most the biggest misunderstandings about dealing with hypocrisy. So some of you, if you've grown up in kind of traditional religious kind of settings, you think the way that I deal with hypocrisy is I just try really, really hard to act as if I'm, I'm perfect. And that's the exact opposite. Like that actually causes the problem of hypocrisy. And so just as I was saying before, the way you deal with hypocrisy is you uh, confess. And so confessing it unto God, but confessing it also to a trusted friend. And saying, you know what, this stuff's going on inside of me, and, and I need forgiveness, and I, and I need to say this out loud uh, to someone else. It, it's in doing that that you become integrated. You become uh, congruent between who you are inside and who you are uh, on the outside. Another question that came up is, if I, if I don't want to be a hypocrite, should I only do the external things that I feel like doing internally? I've had this question before where people are like, okay, so I don't feel like doing it, so I shouldn't, right? Because I don't want to do anything that I'm not really into in, in my insides. And uh, that is not how this thing works. And so, what, again, what you do is when you see something that you say, you know, I know I should do that. I know this is the right thing, but I don't feel like it. I don't feel love toward this person or I don't feel energized to do this act of service. Then we confess that to the Lord. We, we say, Lord... I, I'm not consistent right now. I know from your word I should, I ought to do this, but inside I don't feel like it. And you, you confess that. And then you do it. You, you obey. And, and what happens is the Lord meets you in that obedience. I mean, how many times, if you've been walking with Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where, where you step out in obedience, even though you're struggling internally, but you're doing it in a posture of dependence on the grace of the gospel. And God meets you. And he meets you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you do become consistent in, internally in regard to what you're doing um, externally. It's, it's one of the, the reminders to me that the Lord's at work <laughs> in my heart. When, when I confess to him what I'm feeling or not feeling, and then I move forward and he meets me in the power uh, of the Spirit. And number three, uh, what should I do about fellow Christians that are acting like hypocrites? <laughs> should I confront them like Jesus did? Uh, yes, but make sure you're confronting your own hypocrisy first. Right? So Jesus had no hypocrisy. <laughs> so so we, we definitely see the holy, divine Son of God confronting hypocrisy because he, he is consistent perfectly inside and out. But So that means if we're going to deal with someone else's hypocrisy, we have to first deal with our own. And you see this in what Jesus says about the topic in Matthew 7, uh, verse 3. He says, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? And how can you see you to say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a, the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, there's that word again, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So if, if you're going to be effective in rooting out the leaven of, of hypocrisy from your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are going to need to first root that out of your own life. 
which will then develop in you a posture of humility as you go toward others in love instead of being self-righteous, like, how dare you? I can't believe you do that. But of course you do that because I do that and God is transforming me and I desire uh, to see that uh, transformed in you as well. So, I don't know if we, have, if we have other questions or not. Yes. How do we pour out the insides regularly when often we aren't even aware of our insides? What? Everyday sin. Everyday sin. Of our everyday sin. Yeah, so th- even this, that's a good question. Even, uh, even, even to even know what's in there, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. And so I think prayerful reflection, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about using the Lord's Prayer uh, as, as, as a way to order your prayers. And so th- this is one of the reasons the Lord's Prayer helps me because, you know, I don't typically go to confession as my, you know, go-to of uh, the, the category of prayer. So I'm cruising through the Lord's Prayer and it, it, it's saying, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive others who trespass against me. And so when I get that, forgive me of my trespasses, I, I just take some time and ask the Lord, help, help me know what, what's going on in my heart. How have I sinned? Not just externally, but what's going on internally. And the, the Holy Spirit, with, with such a gentle, uh, shepherding kind of way, I, I, I have experienced, he, he will bring stuff up. And I said, what about that? He said, whoa, I haven't even thought about that. Thank you, Lord. Right? Um, so he, he is the shepherd of your soul. So, so give him that. Open up that uh, space in your times of prayer to let him. Uh, I f- and I find that much healthier than if you uh, are like trying to dredge up stuff. If you're just like, oh, I got to just come up with something to confess. And you just kind of confess the same old stuff all the time. Like, that, that's not helpful. But, but being reflective, uh, contemplative in, in your prayer and asking the Lord, would you, would you help me? Just help me, Lord. I mean, he, he loves that prayer. <laughs> he loves that prayer. All right, any other questions? No questions, okay. So we get a chance to confess this and ask the Lord for help as we go through this time of guided prayer. So I'm gonna ask Austin to come and help us.